welcome, welcome, welcome to Wellbeing Wednesdays. I am your host, Courtney Weaver. I'm also the director of WellWVU here at West Virginia University. Today, my guest is Brad Grimes, who's the program coordinator for the LGBTQ Plus Center here on campus. And Brad has been a guest of the podcast before. So excited to have him back. But welcome, Brad. And for those who aren't familiar with your role, like, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do at the university? Hi, Courtney. It's so great to be back with you. So as you mentioned, I am the program coordinator here at the LGBTQ Plus Center. And in that capacity, I help develop, plan, and implement the LGBTQ Plus Center's programs, our fun events and activities, and our like um, center-wide initiatives. I also present our safe zone and transgender safe zone trainings, and I also supervise the center's student ambassador team. All right. So you do, you wear quite a few hats over I do. Yes. And so you were interested in coming on again because the month of March is actually Bisexual Health Awareness Month. And so you wanted to raise a little bit more awareness about the different health issues that face folks in the bisexual community. But before we sort of dive into that, let's talk about, first of all, what bisexuality means. Because I know that when I was, particularly when I was going through like undergrad and graduate school and I went through like safe zone trainings and my you know, coursework in sexuality, you know, bisexuality, the definition was you're attracted to men and women. And like that was, you're attracted to both, both genders. But since that time, you know, the the understanding of gender has sort of you know, developed tenfold and, and, and the definition of bisexuality has changed. So what, what's the working, quote unquote, working definition of bisexuality today? Okay, so the basic definition of bisexuality is an attraction to more than one gender. So your original understanding, like, you know, like men and women, right? Two genders there is, is correct. So those who identify as bisexual feel a sexual and or romantic attraction to people of a different gender, as well as their same gender. And this is like a, a very basic definition, but bisexual people are a very diverse group and each individual perceives their sexual orientation differently. Yeah. So many people use the term bisexual as the umbrella term for any form of attraction for two or more genders. Okay. Some people see the term as reinforcing the gender binary, right? Like men or women, like cisgender men or cisgender women. Right. But um, we need to question that. Like, does the term really only refer to men and women, like cisgender genders? Mm -hmm. Some people see it that way. But, and to them, bisexual... Sexuality means excludes non-binary genders or even erases transgender people altogether. Mm. For others, though, terms like pansexual, queer, and gender fluid feel more inclusive. So, you know, the, the term itself has like the word bi and like binary, right? It's kind of reinforcing that binary construct of, of gender. Pansexuality, gender queer. Um, gender fluid, those are more inclusive terms that, that account for and allow for the fact that there are more than just two genders or two gender identities. Right? It's important to note that bisexuality is a unique identity of its own. It's not simply an offshoot of being gay or straight, and it's definitely not a 50-50 split. Right. Uh, researchers show that like lots of bisexual people are attracted more to one gender than another, but that's perfectly valid. Yeah. Well, and you know, I think what's interesting is that the 
there's a measurement that we use called the National College Health Assessment. We actually did the survey back in the fall where we asked students, you know, a lot, a lot about their health behaviors. But one of the things they do is they identify their sexual orientation. And it was, I don't know if, I don't know why it was unexpected. It shouldn't have been unexpected, but by, but bisexual was the second most common orientation that students identify as not just in the national sample, but here at WVU too, like up where it was between like 11 and 12% of students who you know responded to the survey said that they identified as bisexual. So it's a fairly significant number of students who are identifying this way, which I think is pretty cool. That is cool. And it really comports with the statistics generally for adults. So over half of LGBTQ adults, basically like around 54.6% identify as being bisexual with another 3.3% describing their sexual orientation as non-monosexual by using such terms as queer and same gender loving. So basically that means that 57.9% of the LGBTQ plus community is what we call bi plus. So bisexual, pansexual, queer, fluid, or another non-monosexual identity. And that's according to the human rights campaign study on this. But so yeah, the majority of the LGBT, over half of the LGBTQ plus community identifies as bi plus. That's, that's pretty cool. So the statistics for the students really is in line with, with that. Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. So before we dive into like the health issues that bisexual folks might face, like let's talk a little bit about bisexuality in the larger LGBTQ plus community, because I know uh, studying you know different orientations and like the gender unicorn and things like that, uh, like there's a lot of issues that bisexual <coughs> face from within their own community. So could you talk a little bit about what those issues might be? Sure. So I think that one of the the major issues is that I feel like bisexual people feel, they frequently feel dismissed, marginalized, erased, and even discriminated against by their peers in the LGBTQ plus community. I mean, and this is despite comprising over half, right? Mm -hmm. But the feeling is that, you know, so many gay and lesbian people may feel that, you know, bisexuality is either a pit stop along the road to being actually or fully gay mm-hmm. or lesbian or that it's a phase right and that's i mean that discounts the realities for people who genuinely you know have an, a sexual and or romantic attraction to two genders right? right so i mean it's like a disbelief that well I, i've heard gay men friends say well they claim to be bi but it's really bi now gay later I mean, it's like, it's, they're going to be gay. I mean, this is, they're dipping their toe in the waters and like they're just feeling it out. But that's not true. It's really an inaccurate misconception. But I mean, I feel like, you know, that's just like one example of the kind of marginalization and erasure that bisexual people encounter from within the LGBTQ plus community. Do you think they experience it, you know, similar sort of stigmatizing views from outside the community too? Or do you think that's like a different type of issue that they're facing from outside? No, I think, you know, I think it's really, it can be, so from within the gay community, there's kind of a sense of judgment or something like, oh, you know, these people are still getting the perks and privileges that accrue to heterosexuality, you know, at least half the time. And they're avoiding like the the stigma and discrimination that like comes with being openly out 
and, and gay and or lesbian, right? But from with from outside the gay community, like in heterosexual communities, I think there's still some stigma. There's this belief that, you know, oh, well, bisexuals are just greedy or they're they're, they're, they're promiscuous. I mean, like, well, right. they'll have sex with that basically everyone, right? That's a misconception, right? But like, you know, like things like statements like, wow, being bisexual must make dating so easy. You've got all the fish in the sea. Well, you technically have more options, but that doesn't mean you're taking advantage, you know, you're availing yourself of every fish in the sea, right? <laughs> and then people say like, you know, oh, well, you say you're bisexual, but you've been in a relationship for a while now. So I guess you're not bisexual anymore. Well, you finally picked a side. Well, it's not that. Like, it's not picking sides. I mean, people are attracted to and love who they love. And if you're bisexual, that, you know, can be people with you know whose gender is the same as yours or it can be people whose gender is different than yours yeah i i have some friends who identify as bisexual and are currently in relationships with folks of different genders and they're sort of they they have faced that exact issue of like well you're actually straight you're not you're not bisexual and it's like no this is just the person that i love and i'm attracted to who i'm attracted to and the person and it's like it's i don't understand how it's so hard for people to like wrap their head around that i don't know and that constantly being discounted and like having your identity questioned or invalidated that's stressful oh yeah that's for for sure and so actually let's move then into those health awareness kind of topics that that we're going to talk about today so what are some of those health disparities that bisexual folks may face? So there are so many, I mean, on so many different fronts, but I mean, we can talk about like, I think one of the, some of these problems that I'm going to mention stem from a lack of preventative care because by, by people are kind of worried about the biphobia that they're going to encounter in medical settings. Um, that discourages a lot of bi folks from accessing healthcare, and like, the negative experiences that they've encountered in healthcare settings lead many bisexual people to either delay healthcare visits, to change healthcare providers, avoid disclosing their sexuality and subsequent interactions with providers, and to rely on internet sources rather than a doctor for health information. So that compounds the 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 the, 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 the loss of the lack of preventative care and then like just the non-disclosure i mean healthcare providers need to know all the facts to give you the best care possible right and right. if you're like not comfortable disclosing all of that and you're like kind of not re- not sharing or revealing all of the pertinent information then your healthcare is not going to be the best that it can be right so for example 39 percent of bi men and 33 percent of bi women report not disclosing their sexual orientation to any medical provider. And that's versus 13% of gay men and 10% of lesbians. So, I mean, again, there's just this fear of being judged, being kind of labeled or like the, you know, suggestion that they are greedy or promiscuous or something. I mean, right. that stops a lot of people from really accessing the healthcare that they they need to. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about some of the, you ask about like some of the actual specific disparities. Mm-hmm. So bi folks have higher rates of mood disorders and anxiety disorders, higher rates of substance abuse, eating disorders, cancer and obesity, 
just to name a few. Yeah. And so what, well, so my area of interest and in, in, in study has always been sexual health and, and something that bisexual folks face at higher rates are also STIs. Yes. Um, so they're less likely, bisexual men are less likely to come out and get tested for HIV, which has caused, you know, that group to be disproportionately affected by HIV. And this, well, this part is kind of positive because there are lower rates of HPV for bisexual women, but higher rates for men, which leads to an increased risk of anal cancer and penile cancer and then head and neck cancer as, as well for HPV. So I always thought that that was a little bit interesting, but tell, tell me a little bit more, like, what are some of the statistics about like the substance use in that part in the community and other 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 topics that you mentioned too. (laughs) Sure. No, we have plenty to cover. So like bisexual women report the highest rates of alcohol abuse, heavy drinking and alcohol related problems when compared to heterosexual and lesbian women. Bisexual youth are twice as likely as non LGBTQ youth to experiment with drugs and alcohol. You know, we mentioned like the stress of having your identity and your orientation constantly dismissed or invalidated all of that's stressful, right? So people who are stressed tend to like smoke more. So bisexuals have the highest smoking rates of all orientations, which then subsequently leads to problems like asthma, COPD, emphysema, and like, of course, higher rates of lung cancer and things like that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. I don't, obviously I don't do this here, but at my previous institution, I was a safe zone facilitator. And one of the groups that we worked with every year was medical students at the institution. And, and these were some of the things that we talked about was the concept of like minority stress and how the stress that comes and discrimination that comes from those different angles can really have an effect on their health. And, and what you were talking about earlier with them not going to the doctor or healthcare provider for preventative care because they are worried about facing that kind of discrimination and stigma and how it all just sort of compounds. And it's really frustrating to see that happen and then to work with, you know, medical students. And I got to tell you, they were, they were a challenging group. I don't know if you've ever (laughs) worked with them before, but it's, I feel like I can, you know, educate anyone now because I educated them, Um, but it's, it's it's a lot because I think with within the medical community too, medical education, mm-hmm. you know, there are still a lot of different biases that can sort of grow and develop, especially around like weight and race and and gender and all these kinds of things. And so it's like, I don't know, I don't know how to fix the problem, Brad. I just I right. don't know. But you're so you're so right. I mean, like the minority stress model that that we've. I've, I've encountered too, yeah. you know, just it's like layer upon layer upon layer. Like, and the more minorities, like the more minority identities that someone has, it's just, it eventually becomes like the straw that breaks the camel's back, right? And so right. we do see these like poor health outcomes, like smoking, substance abuse, eating disorders. Bisexual women are twice as likely to have an eating disorder than lesbians. And then there's also the the, the point that you know. There are dedicated, like gay men know to get HIV tested, right? But right. Like, bisexual men may, like, there's not that, that that push and not that, like, you know, like that you have to do this. Yeah. Um, and like, even they're, they're like, so disclosing, you know, the fact that like gays and lesbians tend to disclose their identities and their orientations to their healthcare providers helps ensure that they get the services and the treatments and, you know, the testing that they need. But bisexual people have that reluctance to sometimes, you know, come, come forward with that and to be, 
you know, open with that. And that causes them, they're missing preventative care, testing, things like that that can really make a difference in their um, healthcare outcomes. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. Now, when it comes to the bisexual community and like sexual violence and stalking and domestic violence, and do you have any information on those issues in particular that they might? Sure, I do. So uh, one in three bisexual women have experienced stalking in their lifetimes. That's one in three, right? Among college students, bisexual and pansexual women are significantly more likely to experience stalking than heterosexual women. And And that's just fascinating. Like, I wonder why that is. I mean, I don't know. I'm not, I don't think you have the answer, but I I don't know if you have any insight into that. (laughs) Well, I mean, I kind of do that. I feel like like my theory is that, you know, when you're a sexual minority, you're you're so happy to find someone who gets it and accepts you and things like that. So then the relationships can be kind of extra strong or passionate. And then when those relationships either like break up or something, or some, one person is ready to move on, sometimes that attachment can be kind of a hyper attachment. Mm-hmm. And it's, I feel like people encounter then problems with people being unable to let go because maybe that maybe the one partner was the entire support network for the other person. Yeah. Yeah. That's I I feel like it's kind of like an attachment issue. Yeah. Maybe what we need to do, Brad, is have another podcast. It'll be you, me, and we'll get Sam. (laughs) (laughs) We're we're talking offline to our listeners about Sam and how much we, we enjoy speaking with him. So maybe the three of us could get together and just kind of figure it out. Yeah. Like it'll be the, you know, a round table. I would, I would appreciate that. Um, <laughs> well, before we talk about like what allies and accomplices can sort of help to do uh, to support bisexual people, are there, are there any other health disparities that you really want to highlight that this community faces? So I feel like we've covered a lot of them, but I mean, I definitely want to mention suicide and mental health. I think, I mean, we kind of talked about eating disorders, substance abuse, smoking, STI, stalking. One more note about inner, inner part, um, like intimate partner violence, is that bi-plus individuals are at a higher risk of interpersonal violence from their partners, with 61% of bisexual women and 37% of bi-men having reported experiencing intimate partner violence. So those statistics are very high. Yeah. So in addition to all of those, though, I mean, it's important to like, you know, we talked about minority stress, and it's you can't talk about all those things without talking about mental health and suicide. So there are higher rates for bisexual people of emotional stress as teenagers. As adults, bisexual adults reported double the rate of depression than heterosexual adults and higher rates of binge drinking to kind of try to cope with that depression and mental health issue. Bisexual adults were also more likely to engage in self-harming behaviors to attempt suicide or think about suicide than heterosexuals, lesbians, or gay men. And Bisexual women who were not out reported higher rates of contemplating suicide than heterosexual women. So to put that in perspective, 45% of bi women have considered or attempted suicide compared to 35% of bi men, compared to 30% of lesbians, and only 25% of gay men. So much, much lower rates for heterosexual men and women and these like um, contemplations or attempts of suicide. And bi people have higher rates of anxiety disorders. Oof. 
So, I mean, so many health issues that, you know, we want to bring attention to, but I also think it's important for us to sort of say, well, if you know someone who's bisexual, like what can you do to help and support them? So what's, what's your advice to those allies out there? Sure. And that's why we have this, like, that's why March has been designated Bisexual Health Awareness Month, right? But as allies and like people who want to support, so the, uh, the biggest thing you can do is like to one, avoid stereotyping and stigmatizing by people and call out others when they make biphobic comments. When you hear people saying like, oh, you know, they're bi now, but they're going to be gay later. I mean, stop that. Like, so no, I mean, it's a, it's a perfectly valid identity. And, you know, who are you to like impose any kind of judgment or are you the expert on somebody else's sexual orientation? So when you hear co- negative comments or bisexual people are just promiscuous, they'll sleep with everybody. That's not true. I mean, they're, they may be attracted to like both two genders, you know, two or more genders, but that doesn't inherently make them promiscuous or anything like that. So when you hear negative comments, shut it down and, look, and just avoid stereotyping and stigmatize them. Definitely, you, um, we want people to use inclusive language. So we wanted people to say LGBTQ instead of just like saying the gay and lesbian community, because that, again, omits and erases by people. Right. So, just you know, when we use that acronym LGBTQ, we're getting lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender and queer. We're, we're, it's more inclusive and we're recognizing all of these orientations and recognition is validation. Take time to educate yourself on the issues and concerns of the bi community. You know, you mentioned having bi friends. The best way to like, you know, to educate yourself is to talk to people, you know, so if you know bisexual people, ask them questions and get their take and ask, how can I best support you? And then definitely, as this month reminds us, we need to advocate for better and more inclusive research about bisexual community, bisexual health and bisexual matters. Yeah, definitely. For sure. So what is I mean, the LGBTQ plus center here on campus, you all do so many things. You offer so many types of programs. So what have you got going on? I mean, not just in relation to Bisexual Health Awareness Month, but what are some of the things that you have coming up that you want to make our listeners aware of? Sure. So we do like a variety of events, like educational events. We do like fun activities because again, having fun and like blowing off steam and like just connecting and networking with like like-minded people and allies is so important for mental health, right? So we have our um, safe zone and transgender safe zone trainings that people want to like edu- get educated and learn how to be like really good allies. We have an LGBTQ plus inclusive safer sex training that's available because we recognize that like the sex ed that people got in high school, you know, if probably they got it, <laughs> if they got it yeah. probably didn't include like LGBTQ issues, right? Important things to know there. In January, we had a really fun game night that was very well attended. Just we played games, like every kind of game for three hours. Um, we went ice skating in February. We're having some microeducational modules um, that we present every month. So on topics like LGBTQ discrimination, women and bisexuality, trans visibility today, lesbian history and icons. Those are some of our upcoming microeducational modules. They take 20, 20 to 30 minutes. And you can really learn a lot about these topics. We have brunch at the LGBTQ Plus Center on Fridays from 10 to 2. We offer faculty and stuff. We have LGBTQ faculty and staff connections. And those are some of those are by Zoom. Sometimes we meet at a restaurant. 
We're having a bowling night with Collegiate Recover. It's going to be a panel on healthy LGBTQ relationships in later March. Crafting night with the Carruth Center, Collegiate Recovery, and the Craft Center in April. And our big finale, Lavender Graduation, such an important event where we recognize the persistence, achievements, and accomplishments of our graduating LGBTQ plus seniors. Yeah, that's exciting. So lots going on. And you can check out our website. If you're interested, anyone who's interested in like participating in our events can look at our website, lgbtq.wvu.edu. You do not have to identify as LGBTQ to participate in any of our events. They're open to everyone. All are welcome. Okay. And now, because I know with COVID, the center wasn't always open the way it was pre-pandemic, where students could just come and hang out. Is that shifting back more towards like a normalized schedule, or is it more the center is only open at certain times for students? No. So we were open by appointment during the um, height of the pandemic, but we're open now. We ask that people, I mean, still require masks, but no, we're, we're back to open hours, 9.30 to 5 p.m. every day. All right. Well, we'll make sure to put the center's website in the description of the podcast uh, and so students can go and check out. We can put your social media handles in there as well, uh, because that's also a great way to, you know, know what the center has going on. Well, thank you so much, Brad. I always enjoy talking to you. I love talking with you, too. It's always fun. (laughs) Uh, Well, thank you again. And thank you to all of our listeners. We really appreciate it. And This episode comes out on March 9th. The following week's actually spring break, so we won't release an episode, but you can catch us after spring break on Wellbeing Wednesdays.